You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Take a seat. Hello, Embassy Church. Uh, I don't really have an intro this morning, but my name's Derek. Uh, I lead the, the college ministry here called The Salt Company. Where are you at? Yeah, they're here. I told them, you know, you can be rowdy uh, this morning. And I'll just acknowledge the elephant in the room as well, or rather the 50 little tiny elephants. Um, this is a family service, so normally we do have kids' church, but I mean, it's a park, it's a beautiful day. Uh, maybe they can even learn something from my mouth. We'll see. Um, I wanted to do like one of those, like, hey, all the kids come forward. And like, I don't know, I've seen that done before, but I've never done it. Um, yeah, I lead the, the college ministry called Salt Company. We actually meet in that building right there with the graffiti on it uh, every Thursday night, similar to this, but just college students only. However, if you are an adult and you really want to come check out what God's doing, you, you're more than welcome to. Um, we'd, we'd love to see you on an, an occasional Thursday if you, if you want, not every Thursday. Um, but I'm excited for our text this morning. We've been going through the book of Galatians uh, series called The Gospel Period. If you got a Bible, I'm pretty much just going to jump right into two couple summary verses this morning, Galatians 4. Um, but I think all you really need to know about me is I got saved in the Salt Company at Iowa State University, a church very similar to this one that loved the next generation, uh, loved every generation, but certainly was about passing the gospel on to the next one. And so very thankful for that church. Uh, my wife and I moved out here two years ago now. She teaches second grade at Rogers Elementary. So yeah, we love Bloomington. I, I bleed crimson and cream now. I think that's another thing. Yesterday I was at the softball doubleheader watching the basketball game on my phone. Uh, you know, spring ball was yesterday for football. The girls' basketball team's incredible. Um, yeah. Crimson and cream all day, baby. Galatians 4. Here's where we're going. It's perfect that this is a family service because what we're really talking about this morning is growing up. And so if you got a Bible, Galatians 4. I want to key in on, on verse 19. It says, says this, My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. Paul says, I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. And if you're a mom in the room, you're probably already like, this is heresy. Paul just broke like the cardinal sin, which is if you're not a woman who's given birth, you're not allowed to talk about labor pains in comparison to anything else. And so I just want to bring all the moms back in and just like, let's hear from Paul. I don't know exactly, you know, how he's trying to use this analogy, but even driving over here this morning, I had kind of this like weight in my gut. Like I got a, I got a sermon to give. That's not a normal Sunday for me. And it's like this literal weight, you know, and I'm like, Lord, please deliver this from me. And he's like, no, you, you need to deliver that thing first. And then maybe you'll feel a lot better. And, and if you've led anyone, right, if, you, if you've been walking with Jesus and you've seen others walk with Jesus, like you kind of understand this feeling of like, man, I don't really know where they're at right now. Like I've seen so much growth and now it seems like, ah, you know, I get an ominous text from a student and it's like this weight in my gut. Like, oh, I just want Christ to be formed in you, you know, and the Galatians, it seems, have backslid. And so Paul's going to call them to grow up in this very like compassionate chunk in chapter four, but nonetheless, that's kind of where we're, where we're going this morning. 
you know, grow up, if you will, is what my parents used to tell me. And they didn't mean it in a physical sense, you know? It wasn't like, hey, you need to get a beard and pack on a few more pounds and gain a few more inches. It's like, no, it's always this like emotional maturity, this spiritual maturity that we're gonna look at. And I just, I think I feel for Paul in this passage, you know, it's like, man, it must suck to be the pastor of the Galatian church. Good thing this church is perfect and all of us are grown adults and we're just super mature um, and Critter has it easy, right? <laughs> no, we're, collectively we're less than a year old. You know, we just got out of that like black tar in the diaper phase. I don't even know, I've never seen it personally. Um, and we're not quite to like even solid food or talking um, collectively. But I mean, even the space, look where we're at. Like we're usually in our parents' basement at the Woolery Mill. Now we're, we're spending the weekend at grandma and grandpa's switchyard. Um, we're, we're a young church and so it's messy. It is just, there's a lot of brokenness in this room that you know I'm not casting aside, but that Christ like wants to meet this room in the middle of and yet he also wants to grow us out of some of that. And so I'm gonna cover all of this text from four, eight through 20, but that's what I want you to see is this relationship between Paul and his people that's messy. And I don't know which side of the coin you find yourself on more often, but it, for most of us, it's, it's both, right? The sides of the coin of either, man, I'm a, I'm a new believer in here, admittedly so. And so I feel like an infant in Christ. Totally fine. At 20 years old, I knew zero about the Bible. Zero. But God met me, and I became an infant, and I didn't go into the nursery on Sundays, you know, I, I sat under the teaching of the word. I got the, the only verse I knew tattooed on my chest, and it, it, they messed it up, you know? But if you can be 55, and that can be true of you, right? Jesus wants to meet us and he wants to bring us into the family. That's what we talked about last week, this idea of adoption. And you don't get adopted as an adult, you get adopted as an infant spiritually. But Paul wants his people to grow up. And then the other side of the coin is, man, maybe I am a leader in this room. We got a lot of faithful leaders in the, in the life of embassy and you know what it's like to, to disciple people and to call them to maturity and it'd be tough and messy from that side. I feel for Critter a lot. You may go to him with, you know, your problem of the day, and it's like he heard a dozen way worse ones already that week, but you have no idea. That's the, that's the call of, of leadership in a sense. And so I don't know which side of the, the coin you're on, but I, I want us to all just take a step this morning towards growth in Christ. This idea that Paul talks about is Christ being formed in you. With this idea of adoption that, that this is kind of sandwiched in between, adoption is talking about us being in Christ this very black and white idea when it comes to the gospel. I will never be more or less in Christ than I am right now. The gray area is how much of my life am I actually gonna surrender to him as I go about my days this side of eternity. This is not a, a text about when God looks at you, what does he see? Paul's already covered that. This is a text about when others look at you, what or rather who do they see in you? And so even if you just look at 326 real quick, this is the wording Paul, Paul uses. For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ. 327. For those of you who are baptized into Christ, again, have been clothed with Christ. In and with. Now we're talking about Christ in you. So we got three paragraphs, three quick points. 
And the three paragraphs are really centered around this, these, these signs of immaturity, if you will, in the Galatians. And so these three signs of immaturity, are, I just want to phrase them as questions to, to us this morning. If you got a Bible, verse, verse 8 of chapter 4, I'm just going to take it paragraph by paragraph, and we'll be done. Paul says this, But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you, for perhaps my labor has been wasted. First question this morning, what are you observing or tempted to observe that's weak and worthless? These Galatians, that Paul tells them that they're observing these, these, these special days, months, seasons, and years. What they're observing are these religious festivals and ceremonies that they never even, they were mostly pagan before this, but they've turned now this biblical Judaism into paganism in a different sense. They've, they've bowed now to this like idol of religion. And, and here's what I need you to know, Embassy. Christianity is so different from every other major religion. You know that Hindus worship way harder than we do? A lot more passion. Muslims pray way more than every single person in this room, I'm pretty sure. Jehovah's Witnesses share their faith more faithfully than I probably do. What those religions lack is this, this Christ that Paul is so, so stinking adamant about. This is almost as if there's like this family feud scene going on and, and you know how they do the buzzers at the top and it's like, what are the most common answers? Um, you know, if, if the question is, what are you observing that's weak and worthless, maybe? It's like, money. Okay, yeah, I made the board. Power, success. Oh, yeah, those, those all made the board. But we're, like, missing, like, the top one. And it's like, okay, well, no one got it, so we'll go to Paul. Uncle Paul, what do you think? He's like, religion. They're like, ding, ding, ding. Religion has turned into this. This God, this thing that's enslaving to some of us in this room, to all of us in this room to some extent, but it's, it's powerless in the face of what's true about Christianity, which is the cross of Jesus. And so a, a sign of immaturity, if you will, is taking what's good news and making it good advice. We're all guilty to some extent. And this is this is possibly something that, that you know, if, if I really believe that, and as subtle as it is, if it's a lie, it's a lie to its core. And it may even separate me from Christ. If the, the biggest obstacle to you is, is Christianity reigning in you rather than Christ reigning in you, like, that's something to be grappled with. And Paul has, has been really adamant about it in the book of Galatians. And this is the, the point I want to spend the most time on because Paul says things like, by nature, these things are not God's. What are you saying? In the end, it'll be so clear that these things were never meant to be God to you, and yet it's so, so tempting. This may not be a conscious thought of yours throughout the day, but it is a reality that anything you are looking to to save you or satisfy you that is not God himself is enslaving to you. How do we escape this one? It's so tempting. And it's like, oh, just stop observing those things and observe Christ more. Like, that's true. That's a pretty good thing to say. But it's still hard. I think there's something 
really significant about this word Paul uses about known. Like, you've, you've come to know God, but more so than that, don't you realize you've become known by God? And I, I'll credit Billy Judge in, for this analogy. Um, he's sitting in here somewhere, way in the back. Hey, Billy. Um, this idea of known, it, it reminds me always of Genesis, okay? And this biblical idea of known is a lot more deep than our idea of known. You know, Adam and Eve meet, and it, they, they knew each other. It's like, ew, you know? Or maybe it's like, whoa. Um, but th- that's the idea of knownness. Like, we knew God before the sin curse, and now we, we don't know him. And so in Genesis, there's like this vulnerability and this, this exposed feeling for the first time in our sin that makes us, like, we, we want to not know God now. And so Adam and Eve, what do they do? They, they look to, to fig leaves as like this covering as if that's going to keep me from being exposed to the, the one who just like five seconds ago created me and knows me and, and, and loves me. And so I just want you to start to see religion as like this fig leaf, if that's what you, you see religion as, and how pathetic like a fig leaf is compared to what the cross actually is. And in order for change to happen in our life, sorry, that was, it's probably just got louder, that's on me. Um, in order for change to start to happen for us in this, this first paragraph, what we really need to do is like take off the fig leaf. Like in Genesis, that's exactly what God did. When he, when he sees them in their brokenness, what's he do? He goes and clothes them with the skins of an animal. Already setting up this idea of sacrifice for covering. But there's this moment when they had to have taken the fig leaf off in order to be clothed by God. And all of us need to have that moment in life. If we're going to take off religion, money, success, whatever it is, it's exposing. Repentance is vulnerable. Acknowledging God for the very first time is hard. I've built my entire life on not doing that. But he can't work with this fake version of us. Right? He, he doesn't want to change the fake religious version of you or I. He wants to change the real version. And so, hear me, embassy, you, you can't observe the powerful blessing of being known and loved by God while just refusing to be known by him and cling to this, this fig leaf, if you will. But man, when we let him, when we let him love us, when we are vulnerable, I mean, he was, he was first vulnerable with us, right? That's what the cross teaches us. Like, not only was he... Mary went through labor pains to give birth to the God-man Jesus. The cross is like the the height of the one who has all authority being super vulnerable on our behalf. And so we come to him like he came to us, and it it changes us. And now my security rests in the fact that God knows and loves me. And that is a very mature thought as a Christian. Now, as a leader in the church, are you willing to, to speak to to others about what what it is that they're observing that's weak and powerless? And do you have the tact to kind of walk with people through stuff that's really a a God in their life? This is what Paul's doing for the Galatians and for us. Part of growing up is first learning to stop looking to weak and worthless things to satisfy and save us because they cannot. Paragraph number two. Question number two is this. Who do you need to become like? Becoming like, that's the idea we're playing on. 
chapter 4, verse 12, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. You've not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. What Paul's saying is, basically, he got sick and had to detour to Galatia. That's kind of what's going on here. And he wasn't even planning to preach the gospel then. But in his infirmity, they cared for him and they received the gospel as it came from Christ's own mouth. And so he's commending them for that. But now he's saying, become like me, as I also became like you for the sake of the gospel. Real straightforward application here. Brothers and sisters inside the family, like it is very helpful for me to look at people who are further along in their spiritual maturity and want to want to just be like them. There's a very positive thing that God uses when, you know, brothers and sisters get around one another. And this has probably been the single most important thing in my life that's grown me the quickest, if you will. God's given me godly, godly men to just follow and submit to. And it's changed me way faster than, you know, a lot of my my personal and private disciplines. It just has. And so Paul's telling us, become like, emulate the people in your life that you know aren't twisting around some of these things. They are spiritually mature. Who's, Who's someone like that for you? Think of somebody. Who do you look at and you're just like, man, their faith is strong. I emulate that. Have you told them? You even just think of one character trait about them. Like, man, I, I really know that this is a weakness for me, but I really see this in them. Have you asked them, like, how, how are you like that? It's a very humble thing and a very encouraging thing to that person and his family members. Like, you can do that. But it's not just this inward looking become like. Paul also says, I became like you. When I didn't know you at all, I became like you. This is Paul's like whole strategy for getting the gospel to advance is to just become like people. He talks about it in depth in, in 1 Corinthians. You know, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the Gentile, I became like a Gentile. To the free, I became like them. Some of us in here need to just hear that and, and take it to heart and realize there's people around us on a daily basis that the world would say, ah, they're unlike you. And Paul would say, for the sake of the gospel, how about you become like them? We're not, we're not sacrificing on, on sin or anything like this, but even in the, back to the garden again, when Adam's naming the animals, he says, not like me, not like me, not like me. Matt Chandler was talking about this idea on TikTok or something the other day. I thought it was great. Then Eve comes and it's like, like me. Same. Similar. As different as this room is, even as I look out at it, we're, we're way more similar. What if I started to see people, it's like, oh, they're a sinner like me. They're in need of Jesus like me. They're tempted to believe in idols like me. They need the gospel like me. That's a very mature thing to start to see people through the lens that, that Jesus sees you through, of totally unlike him, and yet willing to become like you, to redeem you. It's a mature Christian that sees likeness in a person that the world would categorize as unlike. And, and quite frankly, this is pushing on some, some people's buttons, I'm sure, but I know in my own life, one of the greatest obstacles to becoming like people that it would be really good for me to become like, either for my sake or their sake, is the people I'm already the most like, that it's the easiest for me to hang out with. It's super comfortable to just stay in that place, you know, but I don't really grow because everyone else is already like me, 
and we don't really reach anybody because, you know, we already kind of believe the same things. It feels good to just interact. Don't let that gift be a hurdle to you growing in, in your maturity with Jesus. All right, third paragraph. Third question is this. Who do you need to unfollow and who do you need to thank? Real simple. Verse 15. Where then is your blessing? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So then, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? They, this being the, the Judaizers, the people that are, are preaching this different gospel, they want to court you eagerly, like woo you in, but not for your good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them, but it is always good to be pursued and in a good manner and not just when I am with you. My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. The Galatians have started following these false teachers. And it's really tempting because we tend to listen for what our ears want to hear more easily than we tend to listen for what's actually true. And so one of the defining characteristics of other teachers, other voices, other gods is this, you pursue me. The Christian God says, I pursued you. Do not forget that. What's Paul doing? Even in writing this letter, he's pursuing the Galatians, just as Christ pursued him. He says, have I become an enemy because I'm, I told you the truth? I love you. But, man, we, we have it twisted. We love to follow people that don't actually love us. And we stiff-arm the people oftentimes that really do love us. And it's woefully immature. As a leader, that, that is part of your burden. In telling people the truth, you will catch a lot of stiff arms. Your arms may be open, but most, most of the time people are running away from those arms and not into them. And that is just the reality of brokenness and sin. But God knows exactly what that feels like, doesn't he? I, uh, it's actually fascinating that I was preaching this text this week because I had a, a college student on Thursday. He gave me these shoes. They're sick. <laughs> but they're a little, like, too sick for me, you know? So I was like, oh, I hope they don't fit because then I can just be, like, straight up, you know? Um, and if I wasn't preaching this text, I honestly don't know if I would have accepted them. But one of the things that came out of his mouth was, do you know how much you've done for me emotionally and spiritually? Just take them. And I was like, Dude, you're so right. Give me those. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, you know what? If they're a little too sick for me, like, and they're, they're, they're more accustomed to the people I'm trying to reach, that's also in the text, you know? So I can become, like, a college student, and thanks for the shoes, Jackson. Back to the text. What's also helpful uh, to realize is, like, we're not amazing followers, any of us. We all at one time were the cause of someone else's spiritual labor pains. That's like kind of humbling, right? I'm like, ooh, who is that? Yeah, I was super immature and an infant. And they loved me. Who do you need to thank for just pursuing you, either in your infancy or in just your backsliding, you know, your Benjamin Buttonness, if you will. Is that Buttonness? <laughs> yeah, if you don't get that, it's fine. It doesn't matter. As a leader, would anyone thank you for pursuing them? You know? Like that, that also is like, 
dude, before Jackson, like that didn't, that doesn't happen to me all that often, you know, I tell that story because it was just, God gave it to me this week, but man, who, who am I pursuing? Maybe a, a better lead-up question is like, who's tough for me to, to be around or lead that I just know I need to pursue like Christ has pursued me? Like, it feels like Paul is pursuing me through just these words. And truth, truth is the key here, right? Like, we need to not just tell people what they want to hear or listen for what we want to hear. Like, we need to tell people the truth about Jesus and what he's done for them. And part of growing up, again, is valuing what you and others need to hear not just what sounds nice to hear. Those are the three, the three things. Just in this text, there's a lot more about spiritual maturity and growing up that we as Christians need to learn to walk in. But this idea of just Christ being formed in us. Man, my prayer is that a year from now, this church collectively would, would look a lot more like Jesus. And that, that's really a bunch of independent people getting serious about Jesus and letting him take the reins a little bit more. And so I don't know what, what God's saying to you this morning, but I, what I want to be loudest before we close is just Christian maturity is really as simple as just this radically high view of the person of Jesus. It's not me graduating to independence. Christian maturity is me learning to be deeply, deeply dependent, no longer on myself or anything else in this life but him. That is what changes us. He is your life, is <laughs> how the Bible would say it. Do you know that? C.S. Lewis has this, this thing that's always stuck with me since I read Mere Christianity when I was 19, get, getting saved. He said, the more I get what I now think of or call myself out of the way, the more truly myself I become. This is the reality. If you like know Christ, you know that's true. If you don't know Christ, you don't know what that feels like. To, to think that I'm... You know, I can run my life, I got this. And then to let Christ take over and become like this more whole flourishing person little by little, that's what happens. But, but it's only when we get, again, ourselves out of the way and we can just see Christ clearly, follow him more fully, that we get the delight this side of eternity and what it means to just walk with him. This idea of being formed, it's like two things becoming one, you know? Me and Christ. Ever-increasing oneness until I meet him face to face. Here's what you need to understand. When God looks at you, if you're a Christian, he sees Christ. Paul is clear. That is what the cross has done. All of what we just covered is sandwiched inside texts that are all about this adoption and freedom. But more than that, God doesn't just see this partially formed version of Christ in you. He sees the fully formed version of Christ in you already. That is what adoption, that is what the gospel has afforded to us. And so the primary message of Christianity, hear me, even the kids can listen in on this part. The primary message of this whole thing we call Christianity is not, I must pursue Christ. The primary message of Christianity is, Christ has pursued you. It's not become like Christ. It must not be that. God, please do not let it be that. There's no surety for people like me if that's what this whole thing is. That's not news. That is advice. I suck at advice. I need hope. I need a cross. I need him to take my place.
what's fascinating to me as I was thinking about this text is, is what even people in the Old Testament, you know, like I know I'm unaware to my need for Jesus, but I look through the Old Testament and, and so are they. So are all of us. We're blind. And so I, I, there's nowhere, nowhere in the Old Testament where a human being goes to God and asks him for what they actually need God to do for them. Like, what would that have looked like? Like, God, can I be vulnerable and explicit with you? What I really need is for you to come down here and die for me. That's what we're asking, but none of us are asking it. And he would have said, you're right, and yes, and okay, and I will. And without us even asking, that is exactly what he did. The gospel is not, once you look like Jesus enough, the Father might adopt you. No, that is religion. It is a weak and worthless fig leaf. And I hope this morning that you just see the cross as so much incomparably more glorious than that fig leaf and you cast it aside and you just pick that up. While we were nothing like God and had no interest in even trying to be, he took on flesh and became like us. That's paragraph two. And while we were pursuing every other false thing we could think of, he persistently pursued us. And now authentic growing up in light of that reality is truly possible, even for a guy like me. That's good news, room full of brokenness. (laughs) When God looks at you, he sees Christ. But when others look at you, what do they see? And I mean that in the most hopeful way. Hopefully they see a partially formed person of Jesus in an ever-growing picture of Jesus in you. What will people see when they get a glimpse of Embassy Church? What will they think about? I don't know. I can't control what they see or think about. But... What they might see, what they could see, is just a stagnant bunch of infants, if you will. Falls on deaf ears and they walk out never being changed by the gospel. And they'd be like, man, that's a cute church. A lot of infants. You know, smells like poopy diaper though and their pastor seems awfully stressed out. No. If we take texts like this one seriously, man, I hope people see Jesus in Embassy Church in the lives of all the faces I'm looking at. It'll be tough for them to see Christ if all they see is a, you know, religious performance, fig leaf, an insular community that's apathetic about their own growth and lacks any sense of family on mission. And this, this flimsy sort of fickleness when it comes to truth, not, not conviction and compassion with the truth. But... Man, I hope people of Bloomington start to see the opposite of that. A church that's radically committed to the idea that it's the cross or nothing else. A church that doesn't just talk amongst themselves, but gets out in the city and shares that news about that cross with others. A church that pursues one another and thanks one another and tells the truth even when it's difficult or unpopular. That's, that's a church that I, I want to be a part of and I hope we grow into. God help us. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. And even those words, they, they sound so, so flippant off my lips this morning, but God, it, it is true. I love you, and it's only because you have first loved me. God, you saw me in my, not even infancy, my, my death apart from you, my desire to go and run any other direction but to you. And God, you looked at me with open arms and you said, I'm, I'm gonna pursue that guy. And so God, even now, 
six years later, I'm still blown away. God, I pray all of us this morning that you've, you've pursued, you've chased down, would, would just look at you again this morning and say, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I didn't have to grow up before you adopted me. Thank you that you just brought me in and now, you, now you're changing me. You're so good that you would let me not just be in Christ, but you would actually form Christ in me. And God, I just pray that you do it more and more and more and that not just us would see Christ transform those of us in this room, but you, you transform a lot that aren't in this room that we would grow up to be adults in Christ and we'd see so many more infants come to know you because you're worth it and you're not weak and worthless. You're powerful and mighty and worthy. And so we just want to sing to you this morning. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.